Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having The Steels minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068. Now, here's Dr. Steele. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I am dying with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when his father saw him, yet a great way off, he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to be merry. I, I want to bring to your attention this morning maybe a different perspective than you've ever heard concerning the story of the prodigal son. This is my favorite section of scripture in all the Bible. It has the happiness, it has the sadness, it has the drama, everything you would ever want from a good story. Listen, this father had to teach some lessons to his son before this story could ever be unveiled. Now think about this. It's easy, isn't it? And I've done it before and I've heard other preachers do it before. They will demonize this boy. They will talk about how he came up and demanded that money of his father and then he took it and left and went off and oh, how he sinned and oh, how he messed up his life and what a rotten egg he was and oh, how he messed everything up in his life and then came home. But what, what, wait a minute. Let's look at some things the Bible actually says. It's Jesus telling this story, so I don't think he lied. In verse 12, he says, 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me that portion of goods which falleth unto me. And the younger of them took the money in verse 13, not many days thereafter, not many days later, he took it all and left. I want you to note some things about this son that he had learned from his father. Maybe he's not the demon child we've been taught about. Number one, this young man kept it real. There's something to be said for keeping life real. Not many days after, there's no indication in Scripture that he immediately left home. In fact, Jesus specifically said he stayed around for several days. Maybe he was his father's investment counselor. And maybe he knew who was going to take over the job that he had previously held. And maybe, just maybe, because the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why he stayed around a few days, doesn't tell us what he did when he was there. But maybe, just maybe, he wanted to train the person that was going to take over his job so that his father's money management would not be mishandled. Maybe this young son was in the middle of a job that he had been told to do by his father and he wasn't finished yet and he wasn't going to leave in the middle of a job so he stayed until he was finished and then he took the money and after he was through with his job, then he left. There's no indication whatsoever that there were any harsh words spoken here. No indication this boy's in a tremendous hurry to get out of the house. It says he stayed for days and then he left. He kept it real. When he was at home, he operated in the place of a son. But listen, when he left home, he operated in the place of a worldly person and a sinner. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'd rather have an honest enemy than a friend who is stabbing me in the back. I'd rather have an honest enemy than have a fake friend. Jeff, what do you mean by that? I mean, I'd rather have a church member who when they are a member of the church, when they're a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd rather have a church member who really does read the Bible. I'd rather have a church member that really does pray. I'd rather have a church member who attends all of the services they can unless they're somehow prevented from coming. And I'd rather have somebody out in the world who spits in my face and cusses me down the road every time I try to share Jesus with them. This kid did what he was supposed to do when he was supposed to do it. When he was home, he took care of the household. When he got in the world, he did what he was supposed to do. What are people out there supposed to do? What are people supposed to do when they go into a bar? They're supposed to drink. What are people supposed to do when they get around a bunch of other people who act and think just like they do? They're supposed to do whatever they're doing. And what is a person supposed to do when they come to church or when they're home with the family? They're supposed to be at church. They're supposed to be with their family. Ladies and gentlemen, we here in the church need to go about the business of keeping it real every once in a while. 
You know why some people are so tired when they get to the church? They're so tired they can't lift their hand. They're so tired they can't clap their hands. They're so tired they can't sing. Why is that? Because they spent all night Saturday night in some juke joint somewhere singing country music along with the karaoke folks and dancing their legs off. And now when they get here Sunday, they're exhausted. Why is that? Because they won't keep it real. Which one are they? Are they the Saturday night person who's singing karaoke and dancing the night away? Or are they the church member who tries to come to church and have it all? Which one are they? All I'm saying is keep it real. This boy obviously kept it real. The Bible doesn't say he grabbed the money and ran. It says after several days he left. No indication that there's any real problem or friction between he and his father. Just he's got a better idea about how to run his life than his father does. So he takes the money, waits a few days, and then leaves. I'll tell you something else Jesus said about this boy. And by the way, mom and dad... This applies to both of you, but Dad, especially you. You don't have to teach your kids how to live out there in the world with a pocket full and a fistful of money. Right or wrong, any of them already know how to do that. You give them a handful of money, they already know how to live. They may be wrong, but you don't have to teach them. They already know. What you're supposed to teach your kids is how to live and what to do when they run out of everything when they have no money left, when all the money's gone, when they don't have anything, you're supposed to teach them what to do then. This father had obviously taught this boy because the Bible says, Jesus says, when he had spent all, when he was out of money, when he had nothing left from what the father gave him to go on the road and try to prove his point, when he had spent all, all, and then there arose a mighty famine in the land. This is bad news for him. He spent it all, and there's nothing around him to get. Please note, this prodigal son you've heard so many bad things about, he didn't go down to the government office of assistance and say, what programs can I apply for to help me make it? He didn't go carjack somebody's car and steal it and steal all their wallet and money and everything. He didn't do that. He didn't break in somebody's house and kill somebody and take everything he could get from their home. He didn't do that. What did he do? He went and got a job. I didn't hear anybody say amen. He went and got a job. That's a little better. Where did he learn that? He learned that from his father. He learned from his father, don't you lay up on government assistance. Don't you knock somebody in the head. Don't you go in somebody's house and kill them and take everything they've got. If you run out of everything, go and get a job. This guy did. Wasn't much of a job, but he did go and get a job. And I would guarantee you he learned how to do that from his father. I'll tell you something else about this kid who we've demonized for years. He didn't forsake the religion he brought into the far country from his own home. I don't know a lot about Judaism, but I do know this. They have nothing to do with pigs. They won't touch a pig, they won't get around a pig, and they surely won't eat pork. Well, everything's crashed. This guy's out of money. There's a great famine in the land. There's nowhere to go get anything to eat. He took a job feeding pigs. How horrible that was. Yes, it was horrible. But the Bible says, Jesus is speaking, he would fain have filled his belly. He was so hungry. 
he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine or the pigs did eat, and no man gave unto him. Wait, wait, wait a minute. He's not supposed to be around pigs, but it's the only job he can get. He's surely not supposed to eat pigs, and he doesn't. The Bible says he would be willing. That's what the word fain means, by the way. He would have been willing to eat the food that the pigs ate. No man gave unto him, but Jesus never said he ate what the pigs ate. I'll tell you why I believe he did not eat what the pigs ate because he could remember the teaching from his father's home. We don't associate with pigs. We don't have anything to do with pigs. He's already had to take a job because there was nowhere else for him to work, but he is not going to degrade himself to the point where he would defy his own religion and the religion of his father. Oh, he was so bad, yet he got a job. He was so bad, yet he kept it real. When he was at home, he was a son. When he's out in the far country, he is a worldling to the ultimate degree. He didn't forsake the religion of his father. And listen, Jesus said one day he woke up in that pig pen and he said, hold it. How many of my father's servants have more than I do? I'm going to arise. I'm going to go to my father's house. His father doubtless had told him at some point, Son, if you leave here and it all crashes, I know it'll be hard on you because you're telling me you know more than I do. I know it'll be hard on you, son, but listen, I want you to know you can always come home. And he remembered that. He remembered that and he got up and he started the long journey back to his father's house. So before we totally demonize this kid, let's remember he learned some things from his father and he remembered them even in the far country. Now real quickly, Jesus said in verse 20, he's coming back home and his daddy is looking for him. Probably the saddest day of that father's life was the last sight he had seen of his son climbing over the last hill that led away from home. What did he lose? He lost sight of his son. Couldn't see him anymore. He had loved him. He had invested in him. That was his boy. And he left, and now... The father can no longer see him. Don't lose me here. What was the saddest and most horrible day in the life of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the only begotten son of the heavenly father? The darkest moment of the life of Jesus Christ was about the ninth hour of crucifixion. We read about it in Matthew 27 and verse 46. When Jesus from the cross having been humiliated and beaten, having been whipped and tortured and now close to death, Jesus said, my God, my God, my Father, why hast thou forsaken me? What happened in that moment? You know it and I know it. His heavenly Father turned his back on his only begotten Son. Wow. 
That's tough. God the Father could no longer look on his son. And for a while, Jesus was out of the sight of his father. Why did God turn his back? I'll tell you why in a nutshell. Because his only begotten son suddenly taking on himself the sins of the world. That's your sins and my sins. Those are the sins that made Jesus look like you and look like me. And when he did look like me and look like you, at our very worst, God couldn't stomach the sight and turned away. If he had not, if he had not turned away, he's like any father. He would have come to his son's defense, obliterated the planet Earth and everyone on it. Every Roman soldier would have been exploded that day. Every Jewish Pharisee that was responsible for Jesus going to the cross would have been obliterated in that moment, and God could no longer look. And if he had, he would have obliterated the entire planet and all the inhabitants thereof, and you and I could have never been saved. So God turned his back on his son. Jesus was out of the sight of his father. Now watch. I don't have any Bible for this, so you'll have to allow me the freedom of imagination for just a moment. Jesus has given up the ghost, cried out, it is finished. Cried out, God, Father, why did you turn your back on me? Why won't you look at me? Look at me, please look at me. I can make it if you'll just look at me. But God, so you could be saved and I could be saved someday, had turned his head away from the only begotten son. He's now been wrapped in a linen shroud and pushed into a grave. He's there in the sleep of death. What do you reckon woke him up? Was it the rolling of the stone? Was it some other noise that was made outside the grave? Are you kidding? You couldn't hear anything behind a stone. What I believe woke Jesus up in the slumber of death was the heavenly father saying, hey, hey, a little while ago, for reasons both of us understand, I had to turn my back on you. I had to look away from where you were. I had to get you out of my sight. Oh, but son, I just wanted you to know. I'm looking now. I'm looking now. And never, ever, ever again will I turn my back on you. Never, ever, ever again will I turn my head away from you. You are my son, and I will not ever turn away again. Hey, boy, I'm looking now. I'm looking now. Dad, listen, it's our job to teach him. It's our job to let them know the door is always open. It's always cracked just a little bit so you can get in here. But when you see them go over the hill and you can't see them anymore and you worry and you pray and you wonder what's going to happen to them now, Dad, please don't ever forget to tell them. I'm looking now. I'm looking now. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed.
If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steeles minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.